0: So, working on resources for beginning meditators. I mean, um, I've mentioned I'm not a great writer. I, I've learned how to read. I use a lot of audiobooks, but I have learned how to read pretty well. I've read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books, so I guess so. But my today. I want to just share some notes of what I've come to. Now, I have just alluded to certain things. I started um, in Western philosophy, um, not theosophy. I was actually um, theology, sorry. I was in theosophy. I was in the moral basis, basis of religion, being pretty much in the agnostic camp, not really believing in... Uh, the common definition of uh, theism. So myself, I went, like I said, from Western philosophy to Eastern, but at the time it was heavy. uh, Well, uh, being bilingual, I, I certainly looked at a number of French philosophers, and I'll give you another example. I'm going through some of my little notes here, and it reminded me of a quote, another quote, Um. From, I don't know, it would be 20-some years ago. Same as Sartre, like yesterday. This one's Baudelaire. <laughs> um, because, I'll give you an example. What I thought of, and I think it's been quoted before in movies. But in French, it's actually... La plus belle des rouges, du diable est de vous persuader n'existe pas. Right? And that is uh, the most uh, beautiful of ruses the devil has ever perpetrated was to persuade us that he doesn't exist. And the reason why I say that is I want you to think of le diable, in this case, the devil, not like you would think. Don't think of... The devil with horns down in hell. Same as yesterday. Don't think of l'enfer, c'est les autres. Don't think of hell, it's others. It's actually the living hell. Think of suffering. So again here, don't think diable as in devil. Think diable as in tormentor. So la plus belle des ruses du de diable est de vous persuader qu'il n'existe pas. So the greatest ruse perpetrated by the self... C'est que vous persuadez qu'il existe, is to convince you. The greatest ruse of the self is to convince you that it exists. And what do I mean by that? I'll quote recently from um, a podcast, Robert Wright and Frank Wilchik. Robert Wright, well-known author. Uh, Frank Wilchik is a physicist, so this is why I watched And they were talking about some interesting stuff. One of the important uh, subjects was the self. And I'm going to get to why I'm mentioning this. Well, you know, I've been studying the self for how long here now, but I'm going to get to it. So it's called the Ten Keys to Reality. Again, reality completely tied up to consciousness and the mind and self. That's what came away from this. And I loved what he said. He said, mind as an emergent property, a manifestation Right, So I've used the word construct, right? The mind, the self, consciousness is a construct. He actually goes further and he talks about um, that uh, the mind is acted upon or I can't remember his exact quote, but I am going to mess it up. But the meaning was that the mind is born of matter. Because it it itself doesn't exist. And that's why they say emergent property or manifestation. The emergent part is the idea of some greater than its parts, right? Because the mind comes from this system of a somatic system, this body system. It's born of this. That's why I like the English word nascent. Because, right, nascent. That's exactly what we're talking about here, right? The self the mind, is born of what is close at hand, right? It's temporary, it's impermanent, it's an attachment, it's nascent. It's nascent nature, nascence, is the truth of reality. Not the ten keys of reality, that one simple key. And as I said, I quoted Sartre, right? L'enfer, c'est les autres. I would argue um, it's too short of the the quote to have the proper context to understand that our suffering is not others, as it says, this uh, living hell is not others. It's our own self allowing us to believe that it exists and then it convinces um, us to believe this reality of others existing uh, to torment us. Uh, we live by their um, judgment and their uh, perspective, their perception. So, you take one step further to Vasubandhu. I've talked about this great Yogacara scholar. And he talks about the self being a Sanskrit word, upacara. And I apologize, I didn't... Um, I did not uh, did not copy it, uh, but in Sanskrit, think of it uh, moving for a sense which is near about or the same as. Right, it's explained upakara as employment or current usage by Pantanjali. This idea that the self is a construct, it's nascent, it is emergent. From this somatic experience, which itself, again, locked in this system of self, we're unable to see, but the external system itself is not what we perceive. That's the key to reality, right? This maya, this illusion, this manifestation, this veil of uh, ignorance. So understanding the true nature of the self, and if you look at the lamrim, which I adore, mainly because you look at this advanced tatri- tantric tantric <clears throat> doctrine. You have the teachings from the Theravadin, you have uh, Nalanda, you have your Madhyamakin, you have um, the Yogacaran insights, um, and then you have the tantric, the Tibetan, um, and then even influence from China back and forth. For centuries, uh, Tibetans lived as um, tutors for the middle kingdom for centuries. If you look at the lamb rim as a distillation of the teaching itself, if you look at the uh, the beginning, okay we'll go back to the beginning again it's uh, meditations on the Buddha. Why was this idea of impermanence? Uh, The nature of self, what it really is, just this nascent object, this temporary, this uh, construct that we attach to that doesn't actually exist. It's important to understand this because the third aspect is suffering. It's the heart of the Four Noble Truths. I would say dissatisfying because we use um, a non-existent entity to define for us what it is. Uh, we should expect in our outcomes and our needs and our wants and our desires. Not dissimilar from Sartre's idea that it is the self that causes our own uh, suffering. But if you go on breathing, right? Why? Because it's this body experience that we want to come to see as dependently originated, empty of any permanence. They mean essentially the same idea. The Lamrim goes on and talks about your dedication. Dedication, this idea uh, in the West of faith is not understood here. You must have uh, faith and devotion and commitment. You can have doubt, but your certainty that your reduction in your own dissatisfaction, your own suffering, uh, will also in turn reduce the suffering of others. Right? The Lamrim Rim goes on and explains the nature of mind, mind and rebirth, uh, you know, transforming attachment. It right? talks about karma, destructive and constructive actions. It talks about the sufferings of human beings in the mid-level, mid-level uh, practitioner. Talks about cyclic existence, the rising of mental afflictions, right, so you see this progression from simply overcoming our physical or somatic experience and starting to look at the true nature of self and thought and feelings and volition, these formations right the paths that cease term disturbing attitudes, negative emotions, and karma, this idea of that. Alaya Vijnana that I talked about, emptying that storehouse of um, negative impressions that you've built up. Uh, because that self that you attached to in the past didn't exist, nor do any of these impressions. I've always wondered, how do you drain that Alaya Vijnana? Simply by not attaching. That's the, the answer. Simply not attaching to those historical negative Uh, perceptions. That's all it was. I mean, don't even think of them as actions anymore. It's simply a volition in your head that you're attaching to. It doesn't exist. The self, nor that storehouse of negative karma. And the final path is of the advanced practitioner. And it begins with equanimity. Same as the jhana. Right? You deal with the physical the first, the, uh, the the mental formations in the second. You begin to experience equanimity in the third, and you experience a resident, um, first-hand, uh, tangible, equanimous uh, experience, this sati-upekka, this idea that uh, you're resident in both being mindful of what? The self and everything being dependently originated and impermanent and empty of nature. And uh, the true nature of reality, you that's what you are mindful of. And you have this experience of self and others not being separate. Because the Lamrin goes on and talks about seeing all sentient beings as having been our parents. Kindness of others. Equalizing self and others. The disadvantages of self-centeredness. The advantages of cherishing others. And it talks about love and compassion. Right? We'll be on the Brahma-Viharas. Again, they're called divine abodes for a reason. Because there's no better place to, you know, place your self, your view, your understanding. No better place to make your again Vihara, your abode, your temple. Make it your temple. As I said, Shada, Shraddha is this faith and commitment in the prescription of reducing suffering by studying the true nature of self, others. And it final the final few steps on the lamb rim is generosity. Ethical conduct. Patience and the disadvantages of anger. Patience and the antidotes to anger. Joyous effort. Concentration. Here's an an important aspect we need to understand. Samadhi as a clear comprehension of right view, right understanding, right effort, right... You know, I mean, everything. And the final two being dependent... Arising. Prachya samudpada, depending Sanskrit or Pachit samudpada, Dependent origination and emptiness. Your final two aspects are also the most important. Right view, right effort, right concentration. The advantages uh, to patience, the disadvantages to anger. Ethical conduct, generosity, they all revolve around this idea. The self is empty. It's dependently origin. So therefore, we're all part of one system, equanimity. And the final is how to rely on a spiritual mentor. And that's where I fall into, arguably, the heretic. uh, um, Because I honestly uh, feel that there there's no... uh, as sure said, the, the. There's no end to sentient beings, as uh, there are no, um, no, or this or the, the Dharma doors. Oh, geez, boy! I sure messed that one up, eh? How can you tell? I, like, I don't script. I, I try to script. I'm doing better from the very beginning of this. A couple of years ago, it was completely off the top of my head. Now I make notes. I'm doing my best. I'm learning how to write. Churyi said that uh, sentient beings are numberless, as are the entry uh, paths to the Dharma of Nirvana. Right, his his uh, meaning was, don't get fixated with that third fetter of rites and rituals and ceremony. Don't allow this. Um, important investigation of logic and reason, of calm introspection, of insight and uh, concentration. Don't forget your goal is not to follow any one path, not to follow any one individual. The idea is to develop your own path and implement the teachings to reduce your own dissatisfaction, your own suffering. Um, And hopefully, in turn... Uh, make the world a better place. Uh, As I've said before, uh, I boil down all of it to selfless versus selfish. All philosophy is an attempt to encourage or show why selflessness is the ultimate goal of humanity. Like the Ubermensch or Sartre or Vasubandhu or Vedanta the Tantric or the Vijnanayana. They're all teaching this universality of truth and all phenomena. Right? Don't see yourself and others. See us all as one system. And there is the liberation. As I've said before, you don't need to believe in a higher power if you believe in the system.